You're highly welcome to the Precious People's Assembly for All Nations podcast, a place where we share God's word and empower you for your assignment in the marketplace, guided by Senior Pastor Sam Otenaki. Now, why don't you sit tight for today's sermon as we dig deep into the word and discover how to be God's representatives wherever we go. By God's grace, you will be able to flow even in the spirit with the Lord in Jesus' name. When you come into God's presence, you must learn to put all your burdens at the door. And when you are leaving, you mustn't take them on. The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Hallelujah. May the Lord come true for you in the name of Jesus. Whatever may be the burdens of your heart, I pray that the Lord will come true for you in Jesus' name. Please, you may be seated tonight. Hallelujah. Let me welcome you to the hour of discovery today, Thursday, the February the 9th. Hallelujah. We've been looking at our watchword from Psalm 30, verses 1 to 12, the last couple of weeks. And um, on Sunday, we tried to continue to look at the fact that God does not want us to boast in our riches, neither does he want us to boast in our strength or our wisdom. But if we must boast at all, we must boast that we know him. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. That was the conclusion that we reached. We looked at a man known as Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, and how he made so much boast in himself, in his army. And God had to rebuke him and said, let not him that boasts in taking his armor, do so like one who takes it off. In other words, you are just preparing to go for battle. Don't boast. Don't boast like as if you have won the battle. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. So Jeremiah chapter 9, 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom. Or the strong boast of their strength. Okay, don't let the whites boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power. Or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. That they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love. And who brings, please take note, justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. Hallelujah. Do I have my ESV now? Glory to God. Can we have the English Standard Version? If it's available. If it's not, give me the NIV. Tonight, I would like to speak to us and um, I would like us to pray concerning our country. 
And the title of my contemplation is Leadership, the Bane of the Nigerian Nation. But I want to start from Jeremiah chapter 9. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. Let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to do what? To know me. You have not yet known him as you should, but you have the understanding to know him. Hallelujah. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. When you look at that verse 24, there are three characteristics that I want us to look at, that I want you to take note of. Justice, righteousness, and then loving kindness. Glory to God. Steadfast love, or loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. Hallelujah. He has the understanding to know me, that I am a God who dwell. I'm a God who specializes. I'm a God who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness. Praise the Lord. These three qualities or characteristics is what stands leadership out. Amen? Steadfast love, Loving kindness or loving kindness, justice and righteousness. Justice is judging rightly and ensuring that everybody has justice. Righteousness is doing the right thing to everyone, standing on the side of the right. Hallelujah. We'll come back in conclusion to this passage. Thank you. Thank you for my ESV. Hallelujah. Please give it up to the technology for me. They've made me happy. This year, I've shifted from New King James to English Standard Version. So they have um, helped me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So leadership, the bane of the Nigerian state or the Nigerian nation. When you use that word, Bain, Bain stands for the mystery or the curse of the Nigerian state. It is an open secret that Nigeria is one of the most blessed nations in the world in terms of human resources, in terms of material resources, in terms of mineral resources, in terms of weather or climatological resources. We have the climate flying in from Yenagoa on Tuesday. And as we took off from Yenagoa, I was looking at the scenery and, you know, the plantations, the greens, and how all the way for several hundreds of kilometers, you could see the rainforest. It was super green. 
You can't see anything on the ground. And as we moved towards the middle belt, Lokojan area, you could see the dryness begin. And then as you moved towards Abuja, all you could see was brown. Brown of the dust of the earth. So different seasons within the same period, within the same nation. And all these God has given us are meant to be used to our advantage for the betterment of every Nigeria. Hallelujah. But what is the challenge? What is the challenge? Leadership. So tonight, I would like us to look at this subject, leadership, the bane of the Nigerian state, because of the peculiar situation and time that we are in. I do not think that in any time in history of a country, as the stakes been as high as it is in this current political dispensation. Do I have a witness? First, it started with the selling of homes. PDP started by saying, how much was their presidential form? Does anybody remember? 40 million. Right? Any PDP member in the house? Am I correct? Is it 40? It was 40 million. Then APC came with how much? 100 million. How many participants did we have on the field of APC's day? Maybe about 16. Times 100 million. No, that's 1.6 billion. Right? Seal of form. Presidential. Governorship is there. Senatorial is there. House of Reps is there. And they made several billions. Right? Both major parties. What am I trying to emphasize? The stake has never been higher. Glory to God. But so when you look at what is happening a few weeks, or a few days, how many more days to 25th? Today is night, so you have 2016 more days. Do you feel we are going somewhere? Let's be honest. Do you feel that we are really? How do you feel about this dispensation? Are you optimistic? Huh? Maybe you're optimistic. Why? Obedient. Are you optimistic? I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. Looking at the atmosphere, are you optimistic? Are you really looking forward to an Eldorado? Look at where we have found ourselves today. What leadership thinks, or whatever it is in the mind of those who are crafting our policies, look at the unprecedented pain that Nigerians are going through. In our country, we have to be buying our own currency. Our land is 20%. It started with 10%. Somebody said he went to withdraw 20,000 20, from the POS and they charged him 4,000. Hello? 4,000 out of 20,000. That's 20%. Dollar is no longer lucrative. Dollar has been static now because there's no money to buy dollar. And yet, so what 
our so-called policymakers are saying they want to achieve. They want to prevent the money bags from using it to buy votes. Is it really working? Do you think that makes any sense? Because for you and I, the banks and the ATMs, people are queuing up from morning till evening. And yet, they drive it in William Vance to come and meet them at home. So who is fooling who? Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Give me Psalm 72. Psalm 72, verses 1 to 5. This is the ending, but it's good to start from the end. Psalm 72, from verses 1 to 5. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. Please take note, go back, give me one and two together. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to who? the royal son or the prince. May he judge your people with what? Righteousness and your poor with justice. Hallelujah. These two, I taught us, you can go get the messages when we are doing lockdown, April and May of 2020. I taught us a series on this for about four or five weeks. About leadership. You know, leading during crisis. Can I have an amen? The instrument of leadership is from God. Because God himself is the ultimate leader. He's the ultimate leader. He's the authentic leader. If you are looking for a model of leadership, look to God. So he says, give your king justice, Righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. When the king does that, do you know what the result will be from verse 3? Then the mountains will bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. Can I have an amen? Give me four and five. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. That's what justice is for. That's what righteousness is for. That's what loving kindness is for. When you love your people, you want you won't you can't say you love Nigerians and you are happy with what we are going through. Can I have an amen? You can't say you love the people and you be happy with what is happening. It's not possible. The love is not there. They don't care. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and then crush the oppressor. May the Lord crush the oppressors in the name of Jesus. Justice is two-sided. You punish the offenders and then you exalt those who are doing right. Crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. So leadership should bring fear into the people. No, that's fine. One to five is fine. Let's go to Amplified. Let's go to Amplified. Let's amplify what the scripture is saying a little. Psalm 72 from verse 1. Give the king knowledge of your way. Please keep in your mind Jeremiah chapter 9, 23 and 24. Right? 
let him that boast, boast that he has an understanding that he knows me. Right? That I exercise loving kindness or steadfast love, justice, righteousness. Hallelujah. So keep that in view. Give the king the knowledge of your way of judging. Who is the most righteous judge? The almighty God. So give the king, give it to him. It's a gift. Leadership is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. Give the king knowledge of your way of judging, O God, and the spirit of your righteousness to the king's son, the princes. Because there can only be one king in the nation, Mr. President. Then you have the princes, the ministers, and all those chief executives of parastatals. They represent the prince. Give the king knowledge of your way of judging, O God, and the spirit of your righteousness to the king's son to control all his actions. Hallelujah. So there is a spirit behind every action. And the effect of those actions will determine whether it is the spirit of God or the other spirit. Hallelujah. To control their actions. Let him judge and govern your people with righteousness and your poor and afflicted ones with judgment and justice. When that is done, the mountains shall bring peace to the people and the hills through the general establishment of righteousness. Shout hallelujah. May he judge and defend the poor of the people. May he deliver the children of the needy and crush the oppressor so that they may rever and fear you while the sun and the moon endure throughout all generations. Can I have an amen? When there is proper leadership, men cannot misbehave because the fear of God will be instilled in their hearts. But if there is leadership and there is no fear of leadership, then that leadership is non-existent. I'm going somewhere. Can I have an amen? Praise the Lord. So, I would like us to consider a few questions as we look at this subject. Leadership, the bane of the Nigerian state. Check out that word. Synonyms for that word means the mystery. It means the curse. The bane of the Nigerian state. The curse of the Nigerian state. And the first question I would like us to look at and we attempt to answer this series of questions by looking at the biblical perspectives is this. Is leadership issue peculiar to the Nigerian state? Is the leadership problems we are having, is it peculiar to the Nigerian state? No. So give me examples. Where else have leadership problems? Where? Africa. Right? So we thought. Until the election of the biggest democracy in the world in 2020 came. We thought leadership problem was only localized to where? Africa. The black man. But we have since discovered can I have an amen? Because up to now, Mr. Trump is still living in denialism 
He still believes he won the election of 2020. And he's still perpetuating that big lie. Hallelujah. So what's the answer to that question? Is leadership issue peculiar to the Nigerian state? Is it? Is it? No. It's not. Glory to God. In United Kingdom, within six months, they had how many prime ministers? Mr. Boris Johnson was there. He was ousted. And who came in? Liz Truss. And she was there for less than three months. And now we have Rishi Sunak. Right? And now his leadership is threatened. These were things we thought were taken for granted, isn't it? But we are beginning to see that this leadership issue is not peculiar to Nigeria. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Go with me to Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 to 3. The book of Judges. But I would love to read to you the preface to the book of Judges. Hallelujah. The book of Judges stand in stark contrast to Joshua. In Joshua, an obedient people conquered the land through trust in the power of God. In Judges, however, a disobedient and idolatrous people are defeated time and time again because of their rebellion against God. In seven distinct cycles of sin to salvation, Judges show how Israel had set aside God's law and in his place substituted what was right in his own eyes. The recurring result of abandonment from God's law is corruption from within and then oppression from without. During the nearly four centuries, please, how many years is four centuries? How many? Four what? Forty. Forty-five. No. Um, one, 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 forty. How many? Please, I want you to think. How many years? How many? Good. During the nearly 400 years spanned by this book, God raises up military champions to throw off the yoke of bondage and to restore the nation to pure worship. But all too soon, the sin cycle begins again as the nation's spiritual temperature grows steadily colder. The Hebrew title is Shofetim, meaning judges. Please take note. We've read Jeremiah. We've read Psalm 72. Please take note of these words. 
The Hebrew title is Shofetim, meaning judges, rulers, deliverers, or saviors. Shofet not only carries the idea of maintaining justice, please take note, maintaining justice and settling disputes, but it's also used to mean liberating and what? Delivering. So first, the judges deliver the people from their evil, and then they rule and administer justice. Hallelujah. This book will also appropriately be titled The Book of Failure. Hallelujah. So, verse 1. Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be forced to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? Who shall be the first to go up? Who will be our first leader? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. If God does not give you a land, you'll be wasting your time fighting for it. You'll be going on a fool's paradise. You'll be going on a wild goose chase. Let me use James Hadley, chase his land. You'll be going on a wild goose chase. If God has not given you a land and you are spending your resources fighting for it, you are just on a wild goose chase. God said, I have given the land. Judah shall go first, for I have delivered the land into his hand. May the Lord show you the portion of land he has delivered for you. In the name of Jesus. I said, may the Lord lead you to your own inheritance. May he lead you to the business that he has provided for you. In the name of Jesus. He says, let Judah go first. I've delivered the land into his hands. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. So Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me to my allotted territory. May the Lord show you your allotted territory. In the name of Jesus. Listen, when you are operating under this kind of a grace, of anointing, when you are operating in this kind of accuracy, victory will be guaranteed. Hallelujah. Come on with me to my allotted territory. There's an allotted territory for you where once you enter it and you begin to operate in it, you know, people will say, did this man go and make money? Is he using human being for money or what? It's because you are in your allotted territory. Because everything will begin to work for you. Hallelujah. The good, the bad, and the ugly. They will work for you. And that's why I keep emphasizing to you over the whole course of last year that God, Proverbs 2012, must give you hearing ears and what? Seeing eyes. They are gifts from the Lord. When you are able to... you know, to, to decipher your allotted territory. Believe you me, life will be sweet. Glory to God. It will be sweet. Joshua 1, uh, Judges 1, verse 3. Come on with me to my allotted territory that they may fight against, <clears throat> that we may fight against the Canaanites. I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord did what? Delivered the Canaanites 
and the Perizzites into their hand. And they killed how many? 10,000 men at Bezek. Because they were in the allotted territory. They were operating in a land that God has delivered into their hands. Can I have an amen? May you not labor in another man's field. I said, may you not labor in another man's field. In the name of Jesus. May the Lord show you your allotted territory. May you have open eyes, seeing eyes, and hearing ears to discern your own territory from the Lord. In the name of Jesus. So God, the ultimate leader, showed the, his people who will be their first leader, Judah. And of course, I'm giving you an assignment. I will tell you what the assignment is. You are going to study this book of Judges. And I will give you some criteria that we'll look at in a short while. And then you'll group the leaders into the different kind of leadership styles that they have. Hallelujah. So this continued. Many of these leaders go back, to, go to the book of Judges 21. Let's see the last verse. Judges 21 verse 25. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First, go to 17.6. Judges 17.6. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own. God gave them judges upon judges, military rulers and champions, but they kept doing what was right in their eyes. Go to 21.25. The last chapter and the last verse. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. How many years between Judges 1 and Judges 21? How many? About 400 years. Bible scholars say it's actually 410 years. And yet they had leadership crisis. Think about it. Can I have an amen? So for 410 or 400 years, they kept going topsy-turvy. 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 They would go up a little bit, come back, do this, come back, go here, go there. And yet, there was no stability in the nation. Glory to God. For 410 years. So there is hope for Nigeria. How many years have we been in existence? How many years did we know we've been in existence beyond? That's um, what you call independence from our colonial masters. Independence from colonial masters. 60, how many years is that? 63. 63. Going to 63. Can I have an amen? But how long has Nigeria been in existence? Students of history. Since when? When did Herbert Macaulay leave? 1800, 19th century. Right? They have been trade with the British slave trade. When? Between what year and what year? United African Company, USC, have been operating. Don't forget that Nigeria was their property and they sold it to the British government. Hello? Can I have an amen? 
USA owned Nigeria and they sold it to the British government. You're looking at me. But that's the truth. So for how long have we been in existence? So officially, you say 63. Okay, when we got independence. And since then, we have been going topsy-turvy. Right? And then we saw a whole nation of Israel for 410 years after they left, after they got into their own territories. Remember when they left the Red Sea? Joshua led them into the promised land. Right? And he divided it according to their various tribes. Can I have an amen? Three tribes before Jordan, the remaining nine tribes after. Right? And they were all settled in their various territories. Now came the book of Joshua, Judges. Joshua was about living a life of obedience. They put their faith in God. And they were obedient. And they, each man was being settled in their own territory. Now came the book of Judges. They needed leadership. And they began to fail. They began to fail. They began to fail. And for the next 410 years, how many years were they in Egypt? 430 years. Hallelujah. I'm mentioning these figures. They are not giving us in the scriptures just to decorate the pages of the Bible. Hallelujah. The things that are written, give me Romans chapter 15 verse 4. They are written for us that we may have hope. Because there is hope for Nigeria. Whatever things were written before, were written for our learning. That we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, we may have hope. So the scriptures is giving us, not that we should just use it to gloss over. So that we can think and see hope for our own nation. Whatever things were written, they are written for our learning. So it's 430 years in Egypt. A couple of, a few hundred years, the land being shared to them. For the next, after they have entered their territory, the next 400 years of irresponsible leadership. And then after Joshua, you have the book of Ruth. Ruth was just a pullout of one of the events, it was within the book of Joshua. Because when there was famine, that was when, what's his name? That left with his family and went to the land of Moab. What's his name? Huh? Come on. What's his name? The husband of Ruth. Huh? Thank you. Is that the children's teachers? Uh, thank you, Sister Grace. Okay, Sister Enne. You don't know the husband of Ruth, Elimele. What are the name of his sons? Huh? Glory to God. I should send you all to children's church. Glory to God. So this was a pullout, one of the events that was subsumed in the book of Judges. And then after that, you have the book of Samuel, where God decided to step into the situation and create leadership. Can I have an amen? 
So what am I saying? There is hope for Nigeria. Hallelujah. And I want to beg of you, do not join those who are protesting. Don't waste your life. Let me warn you. It's not worth it. Don't allow yourself to be recruited. Say, so let's go and demonstrate against Central Bank. If they shoot you, sorry. You have yourself to blame. Don't allow people to use you. Don't join the bandwagon. I said, let's go and protest. And they share one, two, two thousand for you, or five, five thousand, or maybe the stake is high, ten, ten thousand. Is that what your life is worth? Jesus paid for you with his blood. Hallelujah. Don't let those who are manipulating the destiny of Nigeria, who think they have it all made up, don't let them use you. If there is anything we must do in this season is to pray. That is what we owe our country. Can I have an amen? Praise God forevermore. Okay. Leadership debate of the Nigerian state. So we have seen that for 410 years or so, about four centuries, there was bad and ineffective leadership in Israel. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What are the different types of leadership we have? Let me go to my assignments. Among, within those 400 and so years, I want you to study the book of Judges, 21 chapters. You can read it in a few hours, three, four hours. You can finish reading it. If you put on your audio and you're listening to it, the body within two hours, you will finish hearing it. But take your Bible, and I want you to identify the different kinds of leadership that we have. Let me quickly share with you five or six types of leadership, general contemporary leadership. Number one, autocratic leaders. Looking at different leadership styles. The first one is autocratic leaders. Who are the, those who practice this kind of leadership? Is an extreme form of transactional leadership where leaders have complete power over those they are leading. The followers, the staff and team members, they have little opportunity to make suggestions, if any, even if their suggestions will be in the best interest of their organization. It's not permitted. Does autocratic leadership have benefits? Yes. It's very efficient. Decisions are made quickly because it's an autocrat. His word is law. But it's best used during crisis situations when decisions must be made quickly and without dissent. What's the advantage of, disadvantage of um, autocratic leadership? Resentment. The staff resent autocratic leaders. They may not be able to say it. They cannot voice their dissent, but they, are, they resent it. Autocratic leadership. What institutions practice autocratic leadership? What institutions? Military. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Very good. 
military institutions or military governments. Number two, bureaucratic leadership. Bureaucratic leadership. This is a leadership that follows rules rigorously and they ensure that their staff follow procedures. They follow procedures that are set. It's rules-based leadership. It is appropriate for work environments where serious safety risks are involved. You must follow the routine. It's useful in organizations where employees do routine tasks. Routine tasks. What is its disadvantage or drawback? It is ineffective in teams and organizations that rely on flexibility, creativity, or innovation. There is no creativity or innovation in a bureaucratic leadership. There's what is called public service rules, PSR, right? Public service rules. That's what guides the way you behave. If you go outside it, you are in trouble. You are on your own. So that's bureaucratic leadership. We are routine. And it's very advantageous in an environment, maybe in a toxic environment, in a high safety environment, where things must be done to precision. Glory to God. So public service is common. Can you give me another example where a form of bureaucratic leadership is displayed, where you must follow routines? Factories on the shop floors. This must be done to this, following this and following that. Hallelujah. What of in the airplane? Pilots. You must follow the rules. They have the checklist. You see them carrying their suitcase. Do you know what's inside that their suitcase? Do you think it's style? You know that their pilot suitcase. It's the manual. Their handbook and manual, flight manual. is as big as this. That's what they carry there. That's what is called a flight case. The book is as big as this. So everything, starting the plane, there are rules and procedures. Um, stopping it, breaking, high altitude, low altitude. If this happens, if any scenario you can think of is in that book. Today, they've put everything on their iPad. So they have their iPad, right? The, the plane itself has a computer. So it has an onboard diagnostic. But in case you cannot diagnose on board, you must consult your manual. That's why they carry that flight case. It's not for decoration. Can I have an amen? It's the manual that is there. So number three, charismatic leadership. Charismatic leadership. It is sometimes called transformational leadership as well. It's a leadership style that is identifiable but may be perceived with less tangibility than other leadership styles. But as the name is charismatic, it flows from the charisma of the leader. These kind of leaders inspire eagerness in their teams and they are energetic in motivating their employees to move forward. Inspirational motivation, they inspire their employees. They inspire them and fire them up. They ensure excitement and commitment from teams. And this becomes an enormous asset to productivity and goal achievements. 
They thrive on inspiration. They inspire their team members, inspire their staff. The negative side of this kind of leadership is the amount of confidence that is placed in the leader rather than in employees. Remember I said it's based on the charisma of the leader. The leader is very charismatic. He has charisma. So a lot of confidence is placed in the leader. And what this does, it creates the risk of a project failure or even an organizational collapse. Because if the leader decides to leave, what happens? The organization may collapse. So that's the risk. That's the drawback of charismatic leadership. Additionally, a charismatic leader may come to believe that he or she can do no wrong. Even when others are warning him or her about the path you are on, they, have, they tend to assume a sense of invincibility which can destroy the organization because of their charisma. And tell me one of the such religious charismatic leaders that destroyed all the followers with him in Guyana. Jim Jones. Have you heard of Jim Jones? Please Google it after the service. He was a Pentecostal well, evangelical pastor in the 60s, 50s stroke 60s in America. He was so charismatic, he took his people, went to Guyana and bought a parcel of land and then began to groom the followers. And they all drank cyanide and killed all of them. They believed anything he says, even when it's wrong. He assumed that sense of invincibility that we cannot be wrong. We have Pentecostal leaders today. That's what they are practicing. It's whatever Father has said. You cannot query what they are saying. Glory to God. Number four. Democratic leadership. Perhaps this needs no definition. Democratic leaders make the final decisions. But what happens? They include the team members in the decision-making process. Isn't it? So democratic leadership is what we are practicing. They encourage creativity and team members are often highly engaged in the projects or activities of the organization. Isn't it? So being democratic. What are the benefits? The members tend to have high job satisfaction and they are productive because they are more involved. So they are more productive. So they have that sense of job satisfaction because they are involved in the decision making. Again, democratic leadership helps to develop employees' skills. Team members feel a part of something larger and meaningful. So they are motivated to do more by more than just their financial reward. Because they feel they are part of this thing that is happening. So they are motivated, not just because of the financial reward. Can I have an amen? Am I communicating to someone? What are the disadvantages of democratic leadership? Where in a situation of crisis, where you need to take a decision, democratic leadership will fail you. They have to go to the house to go and debate it. By the time they call for a legislative hearing, they do this. What you want to solve, the problem is already... Exactly. So those are some of the drawbacks of democratic leadership. 
is not efficient in, in, in crisis situations. Hallelujah. Also, where you have as part of your team members, people who are not knowledgeable, who have no skills, what happens? Then the project suffers. Right? Because you must carry everybody along. And they have recruited some people. And those people have no idea of what to do. Then you'll be the only one doing the job. Number five, very quickly. Laissez-faire leadership. Laissez-faire leadership. Laissez-faire is a French word which means let it be. Laissez-faire leadership may be the best or the worst of leadership styles. Depends on which side of the continuum you are. It means let it be in French. And when you apply it to leadership, it describes leaders or leaders who allow people to work on their own. Allows people to work on their own. Just leave them, let them be, let them do whatever they want. Laissez-faire leaders abdicate responsibilities and they avoid making decisions. They avoid making decisions. They may give teams complete freedom to do their work and set their own deadlines. But they abdicate responsibilities. They usually allow their subordinates the power to make decisions about their work. I mentioned that already. This leadership style can be effective if only the leader monitors performance and gives feedback to team members regularly. It's only if they monitor performance and give regular feedback to the followers that is when it can become an effective leadership style. What are the main advantages? It allows team members autonomy and can lead to high job satisfaction and increased productivity. However, what are its drawbacks? It can be damaging if team members do not manage their time well or they don't have the knowledge. You don't know what to do. So what are you going to do? You need a leader to guide you. But let's say fair leadership has allowed you to be. So what happens? You don't know what to do. You are your own. You are useless. You can't achieve any results. So when the team members don't have the knowledge, skills, or motivation to do their work effectively, then it becomes a major disadvantage. This type of leadership also occurs when managers do not have sufficient control over their staff. Who can give me examples where laissez-faire leadership can be advantageous? Anyone? Where you are left to set your own agenda, do your stuff. Research institutions. Right? Research institutions. The research labs, R&D. Where the researchers are there, they know what to do. They are thinking of 10 years ahead. How can we forestall this from happening? They are innovating new products. So you must let them be, let them work at their pace. They know what to do. They don't need to be policed. But if you're a leader of such an organization, you must monitor their performance and give regular feedback. Can I have an amen? But when that happens in public service, what do you have? Where the leadership does not take decisions. 
keeps throwing the can down the road, keeps kicking it down the road. Just allow everybody to be. Then you now have thing gods in government agencies and parastatas who are doing their own thing and running their own things. Nobody is checking them. There is no monitoring of performance. There is no feedback. Just do whatever you want. Hallelujah. Last but not the least, transactional leadership. Transactional leadership. This leadership starts with the idea that team members agree to obey their leader when they accept a job. When you take up an employment, you are entering into a transactional leadership institution. The transaction usually involves the organization paying team members in return for their effort and their compliance. The leader has a right to punish team members if their work doesn't meet an appropriate standard. Can I have an amen? Glory to God. So, the minimalistic working relationship that results between staff and managers or leaders are based on transactions. In other words, effort for pay, reward for your effort. Can I have an amen? So, where is this kind of leadership very common? Where is it common? Hmm? Is it only consulting? I would say private sector. In the private sector, generally, it's transactional leadership. Where you take a job, you are given job offer, job description. If you do it, you'll be paid. If you don't follow the rules, you don't comply, you'll be penalized. So that's common in the private sector, right? In the government sector, even when a public servant misbehaves, you cannot sack them because it's bureaucratic. To serve a public servant, they say it's like an, the needle or the camel passing through the needle's eye. Hallelujah. That's why many of you like to run to public service. I know you, not you. Can I have an amen? Glory to God. Praise God forevermore. I've given you six, leader, six different leadership styles. My assignment is go through the book of Judges. Classify the various leaders along these six different lines. Styles. There's one that I've left out, which we'll be treating another day. And I believe, and that's my third question, is there hope for Nigeria? What kind of leadership will deliver the hope for Nigeria? What kind of leadership? And that leads me to where we started from. A leadership that loves, that exercises steadfast love for the people. A leadership that exercises loving kindness. A leadership that exercises judgment and righteousness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So when the prophet Jeremiah was speaking in Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 24, let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord that exercises loving kindness or steadfast love, justice and righteousness on earth, is saying, boast about correct leadership. Hallelujah. That's what the prophet was saying. That if you are going to boast, make your boast that you have the correct leader. 
the day and that day is not too far from now that Nigeria gets the right accurate leader you will know the greatness that God has put in the belly of Nigeria can I have an amen praise God forevermore Nigeria is blessed but something is missing accurate leadership you and I have a responsibility and our responsibility is to pray may have no other weapon to use but we have our knees and we have our God who is the ultimate leader. He's the one that gifts leadership. He's the one that gives the gift of leadership unto kings and their princes. We are going to call upon him tonight and we trust God that in the days ahead he will intervene in the affairs of our country in the name of Jesus. Love for Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm sure you can do better than that. the end of yet another intriguing session of the PPA Fan Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message has touched your heart and inspired you to be a light in your marketplace. So, in order to stay connected and access more empowering content, kindly visit our website at ppafan.org. Now always remember, you are a citizen of heaven and God's ambassador here on earth. May God's love and grace guide you in all your endeavors. Until next time, Goodbye and God bless.